You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A lot of mock drafts have the Chicago Bears taking an offensive lineman in the first round. But I think that can wait, and they should aim a little bit higher with the 20th overall pick. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook, or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group. On the show today, a discussion about NFL draft philosophy, particularly when it comes to the Chicago Bears picking 20th overall and in the greater context of this year's draft class. We'll get a sense of best player available versus positional needs and how we see that play out a little bit in mock drafts versus how the Bears and Ryan Pace may handle things at the end of this month. And we'll dive a little bit more specifically into the first round and how the Bears should handle what their board might look like and how positional value could play out earlier in this draft versus later in this draft to still get important players where the Bears may need them, but to get the best value with each of their early picks. I just have to laugh sometimes when I see the way people respond to mock drafts that you'll see posted on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it is that you're consuming your mock draft content. Because I think most fans would agree you don't want to see your team reach at any spot just to draft a certain player at a position of need. It's why you hear all the time about take the best player available. The idea being that you can put aside your needs a little bit and just recognize, okay, in this confined setting that I have to acquire young talent for my team, I should get the best possible talent for my team, regardless of exactly when and where I might plug them in compared to other potential needs on my roster. And yet, I'll see a mock draft posted, or I'll post a mock draft from the PFF underscore Bears Twitter account or from my own Twitter account, or I'll see my friends in the draft community post a multi-round mock draft. And I'll see Bears fans and other fans for their teams too. This is not exclusive to Chicago at all. But other fans say, well, that mock draft didn't fill our need at offensive tackle. That didn't fill the need at safety. Well, you didn't draft a cornerback. You didn't fill this need or that need. And I just I look around and it's like, how can you be both best player available and complain about that draft not filling needs. It kind of has to be one or the other. And the idea is that you, of course, try and fill as many needs as possible in free agency so you don't feel the need to reach at any position and say, all right, you know, if I'm Ryan Pace, I have to get an offensive tackle or else I'm screwed. Or I, You know, you don't want to feel like you have to take a certain player at any certain position on draft day to be able to make sure you're getting the best value for each pick. 
Because if you start reaching for different guys at different positions that maybe you could have gotten later, you end up missing out on potentially better players that could be bigger long-term pieces for your team as opposed to drafting the position that's more of an immediate need right now that is perhaps more just a deficiency of what you were unable to do in free agency. Obviously, there's some wiggle room and some gray area here when you talk about best player available because... Ryan Pace always says, you know, Cole Komet was the top player on our draft board when they drafted him, or anybody that they take in. They talk a lot about he was the number one player left on our draft board. But that draft board is also shaped somewhat by team needs. We've heard Greg Gabriel, the Chicago Bears' former director of college scouting. He's a fairly prominent member on Twitter, and a lot of people have very different opinions about Greg Gabriel, but At the very least, you have to respect the experience that he does have. And one of the things he points out every year is that most NFL draft boards are like 100 to 125 players. And there's 250 plus players drafted every year. So you're not even ranking every single possible available player. You're just kind of narrowing it down to guys on your radar, which tends to be more guys that you think are going to be available around your pick and guys that would fit what you do on your team and, and to some extent fit your needs. And so all of a sudden, as you stack that draft board, if you've got two players that are fairly close, you're taking the guy who might fill more of a need and giving him that tiebreaker, that slight edge above everyone else. And you sort of hope that your general manager isn't stacking his draft board too much based on needs because sometimes you do, you do just need to take the clearly better player even if he doesn't slide into your starting lineup right away week one of his rookie season. It's all about getting that top quality young talent, developing developing it over time, and then building that roster year after year. So you don't have to spend big money in free agency. You can kind of grow your own and build that roster that way, the way every general manager says that they want to do. But it gets tricky in the first round because that's where you're so tempted to fill that positional need right away with that first-round pick that you feel like, oh, man, we can just check that box and feel good about it and be done with it and say, yep, we got that offensive tackle. We got that safety. We got that cornerback. We got that one thing we felt like we needed to just totally square away and feel great about it. But you can't be too short-sighted and too eager with that. You have to take a more holistic look at the draft and the positional value and not only the positional value of where the depth is in this draft class, but how important they are to your team and how big the hole might be that you're trying to fill. And so I think if I'm the Bears, I'm better off maybe waiting on offensive line in the first round and looking for something a little bit bigger, a little bit better, a little bit more special, a little bit more rare with that 20th overall pick. We will apply some context to this idea within this 2021 draft class next on Locked On Bears. BetOnline.ag has some great NFL draft prop bets available now. Which player will be the first defensive player picked in the draft? Right now, Patrick Sertain is the favorite. Micah Parsons and J.C. Horn also right up there. Odds on the first pick, the second pick, the third overall pick. First running back, first wide receiver, and some over-unders for some interesting prospects. Justin Fields, over-under the fourth overall pick. Trey Lance, over-under six and a half 
where he's going to be drafted. Really fun spots to try and bet some money down and win big at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code Locked On to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you don't miss out on any of the biggest stories in all of sports with our new podcast, Locked On Today. Of course, I've got all your Bears coverage right here at Locked On Bears, but if you want quick-hitting, biggest sports news, everything you need to know, all in under 20 minutes, it's the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're in more of an NFL draft philosophy mode today when it comes to the Chicago Bears and this 2021 draft class in particular. And I think the Bears are in position here to more weight when it comes to the offensive line. And this is not to say offensive line is not important. I think it might be the biggest non-quarterback need on this Bears roster. I'd like to have a better right tackle option. I'd like to have more depth across the board. I'd like to have more competition at center if Sam Mustafer is going to be your plan there. It is definitely a very high priority for the Bears. But you have to look at positional value and where you're picking with the 20th overall pick in the draft. Because we've talked a little bit already on the podcast before, I don't think any of the top three offensive tackles in this draft class are going to be there for the Bears. Of course, Panay Sewell from Oregon is supposed to be a top five pick. And then Rashawn Slater from Northwestern and Christian Derisaw from Virginia Tech, both solid, just great offensive line prospects, all expected to be gone probably top 15 out of the Chicago Bears range. I think if one of those players fell, it's a different conversation, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But assuming you know, you're left with Elijah Vera Tucker from USC or maybe Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, some of these other lower-tier offensive linemen comparatively, I just don't think it's necessarily the best value in the draft where the Bears sit because – I feel in the first round, especially when you're picking 20th, you're still close enough to the top. I want to get something special, something elite, something that you can't get later on in this draft because the first round is the only place you can get them. I like to think of it kind of like when you're on vacation and you're trying to decide where to eat. And it's like, well, I'm here, I'm somewhere else, I don't want to just eat what I can get back home, right? If you, even if you're trying to get fast food, it's like, well, we have McDonald's, we have Burger King, we have Subway back home, right? You can get those anywhere. But while I'm in this special place that we've traveled to that we're not going to be at very long and may not be at again in a long time or wherever you might be, you want to get something unique or special there that you feel like you can't just get anywhere else. And that's what I feel like with a first round pick, especially if you're picking in the top five and in the top 10. But even at 20, I want to get a type of prospect that I just don't feel like I can get later in the draft. Like at cornerback, for example, somebody like Patrick Sertain or JC Horn or even Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. We've seen these three cornerbacks really stand out as rare athletes. 
Some have more length and size. Some have more speed and explosiveness, fluidity. They each kind of have a slightly different physical skill set, but it's all hard to find. You can't find this combination of size, speed, and skill later on in the draft. And you, you can't typically find that combination of size, speed, and skill in free agency because players that good and that rare don't get to hit the open market. Same thing at receiver. I don't think any of the Alabama guys are going to make it all the way down to 20, but I see you know Minnesota's Rashad Bateman, a special level of route running, release off of the line of scrimmage, and ability to just flat out get open and make plays for your quarterback. It's not about being elite or special in the measurables all the time. You don't have to be, it's not, it's not just about drafting the best athlete with the 20th overall pick. It's about drafting a combination of skill set and physical tools and the different things that they offer you as a player and at their position that you don't feel like you can find anywhere else. And I don't think you can get anybody else in this draft class after Bateman that can truly get open and make the type of plays that Bateman does to be Andy Dalton's best friend anywhere underneath, over the middle of the field, and in the intermediate area and working downfield. Bateman just gets open and rarely does a rookie come into the draft with this level of easily translatable skill at wide receiver like Bateman. Or even, you know, Kadarius Toney at Florida, maybe 20 would be too early for him, but, you know, as a first-round type receiver, that explosiveness, just how dangerous he is after the catch, right? It's not just what he runs in the three-cone or the 40-time and that, that short area quickness, but it's what he's able to do with it with the ball in his hand, how he has contact balance and doesn't go down and changes directions without slowing down and bounces off of defenders, knows how to set guys up and make them miss in the open field, right? It's not, you know, there are other fast players, and we'll get into the comparison between the first-round guys and the later guys later on. There are other players similar to Tony, but it's about the combination. It's the collective skill set of like, oh, there are not many guys in this draft that are truly that home run threat when they touch the ball because of not just their speed, but their ball carrier skills in the open field that make somebody like Tony more rare than some of the other receiver prospects that might have speed. And again, we'll get into some of them. We'll get into some of the other offensive lines prospects and try and understand, okay, here's what separates some of these first round guys at receiver and cornerback, and I'll even throw the defensive lineman, Christian Bearmore from Alabama. You know, if he can be Akeem Hicks or Gerald McCoy and you think he can be that special defensive line pass rusher, you just can't find those as easily elsewhere in the draft. But we'll start comparing and say you can see a little bit more of the difference between the first-round receivers and cornerbacks and other guys compared to the second and third round versus the less difference between the remaining offensive linemen and some of their counterparts a little bit later on in the draft. Next on Locked On Bears. You never have to worry about missing on something special with any flavor of Built Bars because they all taste so good. I have tried every single one of them. We even put them all head-to-head in a Built Bar bracket to truly find the best of the best. No surprise, Coconut Brownie Chunk was the number one flavor, but it was tough to really separate them because they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're all low-sugar, low-calorie, high-fiber, and high-protein, but they taste like a candy bar. It's really hard to believe, but you just got to taste them for yourself. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order at built bar. 
com. I'm excited coming up a little bit later this month. We're going to have the ultimate 2021 mock draft right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, April 19th through the 26th. We're going to have NFL experts Michael Irvin, Brian Baldinger, and Michael Lombardi helping each of our hosts here at the Locked On Podcast Network making our picks for every single team. So we'll have more information coming out for you a little bit later on this month about where you can find the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Odyssey and the Locked On Podcast Network. I look at this draft class and I see depth on the offensive line and I feel like I can still get a quality player to compete at right tackle or even at guard or center if that's where I want to add my offensive line help in the second or third round. There's obviously a talent difference between the likes of you know, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State as a just a big, hulking right tackle, or Samuel Cosme from Texas really moves well for that left side and is just a good mirroring-type athlete at Texas. Some refining work that still needs to be done on actually doing that more consistently. But there's a difference between them and, you know, the Dylan Raddins from North Dakota State or James Hudson from Cincinnati, some of these guys a little bit farther down. But I don't know if it's such a big difference that I'm so desperate to take one of the tackles early in this draft that I feel like Raddins can come and compete at right tackle with Jermaine Effetti and Elijah Wilkinson, and I still have confidence that he is going to be a quality right tackle for me. Maybe he's not as great as quickly as Jenkins, but if they both end up decent quality right tackles, I don't know that I'm going to sweat too much about having the, the 15th best right tackle versus the 10th best right tackle in the NFL. Whereas, I feel like when I start looking at some of the other positions, and certainly it applies to the rest of the offensive line the same way, there's there's guards in the second and third round. Ben Cleveland from Georgia is a guy that you'll see commonly kind of mocked in that second to third round range for the Bears. Or Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, or some of these Alabama kids as well. Like I don't know that Elijah Vera Tucker, as a guard prospect or a center, or wherever you're going to play him for the Bears, I don't know that he is so much better than some of these other guard options that I feel like I have to take him early in this draft to make sure I secure that position with him as opposed to somebody else that can come in and compete at a similar but slightly lesser level. Whereas when I compare, say, a wide receiver, Rashad Bateman and his route running or Kadarius Toney and his ability to not only be fast and explosive but know what to do with that speed with the ball in his hands, and you start to come down a little bit more down in the second and third round of receivers. And like, you know, Rondell Moore from Purdue, a guy that ran a super fast 40-yard dash and great speed out of the slot, but, you know, he's 5'7", and he's not quite exactly, he's not, he's not as silky smooth. I mean, again, you start to nitpick a little bit here, but I feel like Tony has the package, the complete package a little bit more than guys like Rondell Moore, or even Elijah Moore from Ole Miss. You know, some of these slot receivers, I have a little bit less faith in them translating to be a more well-rounded option as opposed to just a speed gadget player. Or you start to go down, you know, Nico Collins from Michigan, he's got that size and can he's built like a number one receiver, but I don't have the same faith in him 
consistently getting open right away the same way that Bateman instantly does for your team and makes me feel like I've got Keenan Allen right away. Just snap, draft him, and he is there, and you have instant offense, instant great weapon with number two slash number one wide receiver potential right away right there for you. So you just start going on through the rest of the draft, and it's like you start to chip away more and more and feel like, sure, there are high potential guys later there are guys with some rare traits but that's when risk and reward and how likely they are to pan out and what type of development they may need as opposed to the first round guys that are right there ready for you and have that combination of floor and ceiling that can already be special with some of those things that sometimes you don't feel like you can get anywhere else with that same combination same kind of thing at cornerback. You know, you had in the first round somebody like Caleb Farley that's got, you know, he's like 6'2", 200 pounds, and runs super fast. He's fluid. Like, he moves a lot better than he should for someone his size. Or you could look a little bit later on, like Ifetu Melifanwu from Syracuse. Similar type of build of a long physical cornerback, but he just doesn't have quite that same mobility. And, of course, you maybe get scared by his his older brother, Obi Melifanwu, who similar long-built cornerback but wasn't quite as refined of an athlete and wasn't quite as, I guess, skilled in coverage in terms of some of the little things from a feet standpoint and being able to stick in the NFL. It just didn't last, and it's not fair to compare him by his brother. But it, it's that same idea of, like, Melifanwu, the older Melifanwu, also had some rare traits but it's, not a, it, it's about not having the complete package, whereas a guy like Farley or J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain at the top of the draft, they are that complete package that I just don't feel like I can get later on in the draft. Whereas with the offensive tackles, you can get good enough and better enough and close enough in quality with some of these day-two offensive line prospects that don't separate them nearly as much from the lingering offensive line prospects that could still be there for the Bears at 20. Again, assuming Sewell and Slater and Darisaw are gone, I think they start to change that conversation a little bit. But with where the Bears pick at 20, I want to get someone that I just don't think I can get anything else like it later on in the draft. And the offensive line prospects later are a little too similar to the offensive linemen that should be there for the Bears at 20, whereas the wide receivers and the cornerbacks and the defensive line and some of these other positions, you can't quite replicate that same complete package combination of physical tools and specific skill sets that are really difficult to find and really valuable for the Bears to still be able to get at 20. That doesn't mean you couldn't maybe trade down a little bit. We're not talking trade down back into the second round, but you could move down a few spots and still feel like you can get some kind of quality player if you don't feel like any of the guys right at 20 are exactly the one that separates themselves from the rest you could move down a little bit and wait to see who is there although a conversation for another podcast is that I really don't think the Bears are going to have much luck finding a trade down partner from 20 because I think a lot of teams in that draft range are all going to be looking to trade down and not many teams are going to be looking to trade up. But we will touch on that another day here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. On Monday, we're going to do an overview of this Bears quarterback draft class and try and get some quick scouting reports and some different dynamics on all of the quarterbacks that we want to keep in mind for the Bears. We'll be joined by Mark Schofield, friend of the podcast, 
resident quarterback expert and just a, a great dude. We always have a lot of fun with Mark. It's just a fun conversation that I'm really looking forward to. That'll be on Monday's podcast, so make sure you tune back in for that. We'll have all of your draft coverage. Make sure you're ready for the NFL draft later on this month. All the players, at least all the important players that you need to know for the Bears' early draft picks, we will have you covered. And I hope along the way, listening to Locked on Bears helps you Bear down.